0: Good
1: evening, everybody!
0: <laughs> That's my Chris Russo impression. I know for sure my dad will appreciate that one. <laughs> and welcome to the Films with Ferrara podcast. Once again, I am your host and editor-in-chief of FilmswithFerrara.wordpress.com, Dominic Ferrara. Joining me as always, my co-host for today, our senior editor, Mr. TJ Blankenship. Hello. Man, uh, it's been, for a Sundance
1: week, it's been an awfully slow week. Yeah, it's been a very slow news week.
0: Um, I'll tell you what, when our number three story lined up here, although we might switch them around a little bit, is a Duke Nukem movie. Who, buddy, do we have a week? Oof. Although... I think there was one that broke towards the end of last week, like the day after it. Like, Disney found a director for its Sword in the Stone remake, but I don't think that's really
1: a huge deal. We, we got no. more,
0: King, more King Arthur movies in development, everyone.
1: More of them. Because the last few have worked out so well. Disney's making two of them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they just, what a world, right? They just need to stop. Just no.
0: So Sundance here, we'll, we'll start with Sundance because obviously that's where everyone is looking. And it's been a really slow acquisition process at Sundance this year. Netflix and Amazon have been really quiet, surprisingly. This, Sundance mm-hmm. has been the festival they've pounced the most at in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. uh, two years ago, Amazon picked up Manchester by the Sea at Sundance. Last year, Amazon got big sick. Netflix yep. got mudbound.
1: bound. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is usually a, the festival where where the streaming services come out to play,
1: and this year it just hasn't been. It could just be that nothing intrigued them like the past couple of years, but who knows? Well, like Blind Spotting seemed
0: to be a lock. Like that, like a commercial movie it takes place in Oakland. It's got hip hop ties and a fairly well known star in David Diggs, Tony Award winner. And Netflix wasn't in on it. At least it doesn't appear. Or at least they didn't get it. Because that went to Lionsgate for a cheap price too. It only went for like five million, I think, was what I read. Mm. Um, uh, American Animals, which was one that was, you know, getting a lot of buzz this week, only went for five million to the Orchard and Movie Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, the Lizzie Borden movie went to Saban films, like just a really weird, uh, sorry to bother you. This was the newest one today from Riley Boots starring with Keith Stanfield, uh, went to Annapurna for a second, seven figure deal. Yep.
1: Uh,
0: just an odd, odd, uh, season here. Um. Assassination Nation went to Neon for over ten million dollars. That's quite a quite a price to pay there, because I think Mudbound only went for like six or seven, and I know Big Sick, which did really well at the box office, and obviously was a fair, was a claimed movie, only went for twelve last year. Yeah. So to pay ten billion plus for that, that's an interesting price to pay. Um, well, it's just been really slow. Like usually at Sundance you're expecting a very busy market. And we're not
1: getting that this year. Like we got a lot of big news there last year. Yeah,
0: a whole lot of movement and mm-hmm. studios were dropping news and instead this year we have major studios dropping movies, which yep. is I and guess <laughs> just,
1: getting nominations. Right. I have it lower down
0: on the rundown, but I guess we can talk about it now cuz it works. Paramount's not even buying anything. They're just selling movies to Netflix. Yep, and a big one at that—a bankable movie. And I know. So, for those that don't know the headline, Clover—the third film in the Cloverfield franchise, uh, which was resurrected a couple years ago with Ten Cloverfield Lane—a movie that I happen to really like. It's really good. John Goodman is incredible in that movie.
1: It's John Goodman. He's good in everything.
0: Now, this this movie has a bit of a higher budget, but it's still only at about forty million. It's a, it's got a recognizable franchise name coming off a, a well-liked movie. Like, this is like a, This is an easy win for Paramount. That's easy money for a studio that's really struggling. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, Tom Rothman came in. No, not Tom Roth, Tom Rothman was still at Sony. Um, whoever, Jim Giannopoulos is running Paramount and he's had to come in and look at every movie that was greenlit before he got there. He's made a lot of decisions, um. For example, selling Annihilation, which opens up next month, uh, to Netflix in foreign territories. Paramount's still going to handle an, uh, domestic distribution. But Yep.
1: Now, I, I, I know that Netflix was in talks. so they ever officially confirm that?
0: It's not official, but it's looking like a deal is was going to make. Okay. It looks like this is going to happen. And the movie currently is set for an April 20th release, 420, blaze it. Huh. Um, if it goes to Netflix, it's going to come out sooner than that. Yeah. And I know I've heard I'd say probably recent, March. I read that maybe the movie wasn't testing as well. I don't think that matters to Netflix right now, honestly.
1: I mean, they released Bright, so. The point here is that
0: they're trying to make a play into big blockbuster and franchise filmmaking, and buying a
1: Cloverfield movie does that. And it also explains why they keep upping the uh, the price of their subscription right. service. All right. And especially with a cast like this, this has a couple of Big
0: things. First of all, this movie is a—it's a franchise. It's got a great cast featuring David Ayello, Gugu Mamatha raw Elizabeth Debicki, Daniel Bull, Big ensemble. It's a big sci-fi movie, and it gets them in business with JJ J. Abrams and Bad Robot, which is—that's yep. a huge relationship to have. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, this would be a humongous purchase for Netflix. Yeah. For sure, like game changing for them, actually. Paramount will cut their losses and see what
1: happens, I guess. I don't know. I think Paramount is going to go bankrupt very soon.
0: Paramount's in a lot of trouble right now.
1: Yeah. A lot of trouble. That's why I'm surprised they're trying to sell everything instead of releasing it, because that Cloverfield movie is good money. It's easy. It's easy money. Even I mean, it's got a higher budget than the other ones,
0: but forty million is still not—that's still really nothing. Now you have a better shot of making back your forty million here than you did of making your forty million back off of Mother. I mean, and shoot, they went dude. through with that. This League had like. Sub- oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Paramount released Suburbicon and Mother last year, and is now selling off a Cloverfield movie. What
1: That's are they doing? Not smart decisions. What are they doing? And it's like you're like comparing that to you know, Warner Brothers, who released a Justice League movie for $300 million and then also marketed it for another $300 million.
0: Justice League did not do well, but Warner Brothers still has oh, enough I'm, I'm, that they I'm can see together budgets. a year. <laughs> I'm just comparing right. budgets. Paramount is so low at this point on franchises. They're going all in on a Hasbro cinematic universe featuring the Micronauts. Mm-hmm. They, they are grasping at straws right now they are in a lot of trouble if they can't get this Transformers Hasbro universe off the ground here it, this is it for them this is the move that they have to push mm-hmm. everything into the middle with and like you were saying with Warner Brothers Justice League yeah, did not do well it's not great for Warner Brothers but they also it made like $700 million off of a $50 million budget so yeah no yeah that's that's good for them, but net- Netflix, like we said, this is huge if they get this deal done. Yeah, I agree. Co- and it completely it completely changes the streaming game at that point.
1: Hmm. Because when the streaming services start trying start turning into studios themselves,
0: this is what it's looking like it's going to become. This is yeah. We are seeing an absolute shift in how content is going to be released and created for the next. Many decades.
1: It's it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yep.
0: It's in TV and in film. So. Mm-hmm. But that that's going to be the biggest deal that goes down at Sundance. And I don't think it's anything we expected to go down at Sundance this year. Yeah. Netflix, because Paramount's been really slow in marketing this Cloverfield movie, and they were in. With 10 Cloverfield Lane, but that was different because we had no – at first it was like, oh, this is just a movie about John Goodman. She, he's got a girl captured in his cellar. Okay, that's all we knew. We didn't realize that was a Cloverfield movie. So when they suddenly dropped that trailer on us like they did in 2007 with, when they dropped the first trailer for Cloverfield with Transformers, not even with a title, we were just like, is this a Godzilla movie?
1: Yep, and we had no idea until like the right. mass marketing came in. All right. Next and couple weeks after that.
0: That 10 Cloverfield Lane trailer was was huge that night because I remember it premiered with um, 13 hours. Yep. And within like an hour of the first Thursday night screenings, I was seeing all over Twitter like, oh my God, there's a, a new Cloverfield movie. Yep. And their trailer's with 13 hours, and it's coming out in two months. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But Paramount, but this time they let us know this is a Cloverfield movie. So the excite- So we know it's coming, and the anticipation we're waiting, and they're employing the same marketing strategy, and it just doesn't work. It's not going to work the same way it did for 10 Cloverfield Lane because it caught us all by surprise. Mm-hmm. You're catching no one by surprise right now. Netflix, will. they'll buy it. First thing they'll do is put together a trailer and put it out on their Twitter. Yeah. Netflix is going to have a good weekend, though, because they've also got uh, – A movie that premiered at Sundance today, A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, about a national lampoon coming out tomorrow, and I I saw some really good reviews this afternoon, so. Yeah. Looking forward to watching that one. All right, next up, after Sundance and Netflix there, Ryan Reynolds has agreed to a two-year overall production deal over at Fox with his production company, Maximum Effort, Mm -hmm. which is a phenomenal name for his production company. Um, And his first task, he is developing a remake of the classic 80s comedy and adaptation of the classic board game Clue with his uh, Deadpool writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Yep. What are your thoughts on this here, TJ?
1: It's interesting. I mean, that's that's all I can really say about it. It's interesting. you seen the Clue movie from the 80s? Oh, I love that movie. I love that
0: movie too, and I, I don't get people that talk crap about that movie because that movie is funny. It's they're just, like, they're
1: just, it,
0: it just it's works. One t-
1: I, it's, it's one of Tim, Car- Tim Curry's best.
0: Tim Curry's great. Madeline Kahn is great in that movie. Christopher Lloyd. Yep. got a great cast. This is a movie that will absolutely deliver a great cast. Uh, it, it's a, just a funny movie. There are some gags. The singing telegram is just hysterical. Um, the multiple
1: endings? The multiple
0: endings. I hope they do that again for this one, because that was a great concept
1: mm-hmm.
0: that they managed to pull off there. Um, again, I don't want them directly lifting everything from the 80s movie, but I would. Uh, I, would like I, feel to like, I feel like
1: this one might thing. be more satirical.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think I think they want that kind of Deadpool look at it. like Almost yeah. like, instead of satirizing uh, comic book culture, they're going to satirize... Murder country. mysteries, yeah, which would be interesting, but um, I'm expecting
1: a lot of Agatha Christie jokes.
0: Yeah, then, the, and Ryan Reynolds will also star in this movie. Um,
1: I feel like he will probably beat some Curry's role. He just, would be the, so but, uh, good in that
0: role. Actually, he would actually he'd be a really funny, like stupid, like English Butler. That would be yep. really funny. Actually, he would work for that. Um, yeah. This would be—it's an easy movie to throw a cast together with, mm-hmm. and this is a movie I feel like Disney, because basically now Disney's going to start making these decisions. Disney, I think that's a movie you could feel comfortable greenlighting. Yeah, because there—you doesn't have to be an R-rated movie. You could do Clue PG-13, for sure, yep. as a PG-13 comedy. And the PG-13 comedies aren't often great. Do you get, but as we saw with the '80s Clue, which I think is PG, the movie's hysterical.
1: I mean, just, I, I Real quick, clearly. I'm just IMD
0: being it right now.
1: That's what I'm doing. Clue, 1985, PG. Yep.
0: Great movie. With uh, John Landis got a story credit on that movie. Legend. <laughs> and Jonathan Lynn, the director, also wrote the screenplay. Uh, the full screenplay. It's a great movie, though. He also did uh, My Cousin Vinny, another all-time classic, especially for we, the Italians of the world. Um, but I'm yeah. not
1: one of those. Correct.
0: Yeah, I am, though. So. Ryan Reynolds, Clue. It's a good project for him. I think this works. I think so, too. It's not high budget. You can do funny things with it. We've already seen it happen. It's so Clues just one of those movies didn't do great when it came out at the box office, but it's, but it's, a, cult it's a cult favorite classic. It's a great movie. All right. Next up. Oh, wow. This is I, I can't believe this story. came out. This is like uh, when Vince McMahon announced, announced today that the XFL was coming back. It's the same thing for this one. John Cena. We're never going to see him in this movie, by the way. He, he'll be invisible the whole time. Um. It's set to star in a film adaptation of the video game classic Duke Nukem, produced by Michael Bay. I mean, honestly, this is as perfect a match as it gets for Michael Bay. This movie's gonna stink. It's gonna be great at the same time, probably. And I don't like Michael Bay stuff, but if anything serves just stupid Michael Bay explosions, it's this. And I think this is also a. Program. Honestly. And I honestly think this is a property you maybe could do it almost satirically and almost like yeah. fun of the concept.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like the big explosion Michael Bay like cringy humor would actually work for this. Like this is the like Michael Bay movie. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it would He's yeah. not directing but I, it works. But still if he we'll were to have a massive say.
0: Yes he will. I mean this is I read it, I, I was listening to, again, I'll shout about it again, we, we do it all the time, I was listening to, uh, or, or, to Lights Camera Podcast. We're not officially friends of that podcast. We should, I, hopefully we will be soon. We'd, we'd like that, but... Wait, uh, isn't,
1: Param- isn't Paramount producing this movie? I think so.
0: Oh, oh Christ. I, <laughs> <laughs> they are so, I, I didn't even put two and two together. Wow, Paramount is so
1: stupid.
0: Um... But that, they were talking about like the Oscars this, this morning and Duke Nukem was kind of a – and someone was like, yeah, well, Ferdinand's nominated for Best Animated Feature. We'll get to that later. Someone literally – someone goes, yeah, hope, hope that wins so that John Cena gets back on stage. Uh, you know, he was up there with Moonlight last year and someone goes, wait, was he? And uh, the guy goes – the first guy goes, wait, you just – you didn't see him? Ha, ha, and the guy ha, was like, ha. oh, you got – everyone was like, oh, you gotta retire from the podcast now. R- troballins just, just just leave poor trollballins he 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 walked into that one but um Twitter legend troballins but I mean is there anything I mean this is as typical Michael Bay movie as it gets John Cena just gets to go around and shoot up a bunch of aliens right this is the movie yeah even if it's not yeah okay I think we have to share any further opinion on this story
1: it could either be really good or really bad and that's probably going to be really bad
0: right the, but also it could be like the really bad that it works too like it's i don't know like but. like yeah as long as they don't try to like overstuff it like they do with the transformers movie just like john cena shoots some aliens then it can work
1: if it is even John Cena at this point. I don't think he's officially been signed on yet. Uh,
0: John Cena is attached to star in this project.
1: Oh, okay. He's so in. it is official? Yes.
0: Oh, God. What actually, a world. It's actually happening. What a world.
1: It's actually happening. Oh, my God. Oh, paramount. Yeah.
0: Uh, next up, Steven Spielberg, fresh off uh, his movie The Post, receiving a Best Picture nomination from the Academy, has already gotten, moved on to his next project, Uh, Many expected it to be the next Indiana Jones film, but with that film being pushed from 2019 to 2020, he's going to tackle his dream project next, a remake of of the 1961 Best Picture winner and musical classic West Side Story, uh, adapted by Tony Kushner. So
1: is this going to be his magnum opus?
0: I don't think so because West Side Story is not particularly long, at least not the original movie. I think – This was a movie in 1961 when everything was long. Yeah. And the running time on West Side Story. I hope he doesn't just do it shot for shot. That's the only thing. Uh, West Side Story. It's two and a half hours. That's about what I thought it was. But it doesn't feel like two and a half hours. It works. I think Spielberg cuts it down probably a little bit. I just don't want it to be a shot for shot remake.
1: (laughs) I <laughs> uh, Haven't seen the first one. <laughs> um, I have. I have.
0: Yeah, I know. It's I know a,
1: you love it. Yeah,
0: it's a true. It's a beautiful movie, and I know they're. Uh, they just. The reason we know this, Spielberg actually officially put out a casting. Someone, someone, uh, had to make sure it wasn't photoshopped, and there was an actual like casting director that was like, "This is this is real. Get out yeah. there and do this." And I was like, "Okay, then I'll accept it. This is. Um, it looks like they're going unknown." Unless they can get a like a young star that can sing and dance between the ages of fifteen and twenty-five, uh, either you know the four lead roles are Latino roles, which is awesome. Yep. Um, and then there's Tony, right? So uh, it's a obviously it's Romeo and Juliet is what this movie is.
1: That's, yeah, a, I, I just know it's like a modern retelling of that. Right, it's an all-time musical classic. It's basically just like the Greasers versus the Sochas.
0: And, and yeah, it's the Outsiders, it's Romeo and Juliet, it's the the Sharks versus the Jets, Americans versus the Puerto Ricans. I believe it's Puerto
1: Rico. I believe they're from Puerto Rico. Russians. Some sort of Latin American. Yeah, Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's Puerto Rico. Led
0: by Bernardo. Um, Rita, the legendary Marita Moreno won an Oscar for this movie. Uh, the, it won 10 back in 1962, best picture, best actor, best supporting actress, best director, best cinematography, best art direction, best costume design, best sound, best film editing and best score, which is kind of a nonsense best score nomination. Cause every of the, one of these composers did not actually write like the important music for that movie. Yeah. Just saying, shout out, uh, Steven Sondheim, the goat. So the best. Yeah, I mean, this is great. This is, I mean, a lot of musical theater fans might not be excited because this is, that movie is truly an all-time classic. But Spielberg clearly loves this movie. I think we've been hearing about him wanting to do this for like three years now. I've been um, hearing
1: it for a while.
0: So, this is coming together. I know Deadline reported. Deadline ran an exclusive last week about what Spielberg's two next movies were going to be. And it was like, oh yeah, we're, he's going to work next on West Side Story and in Indiana Jones 5. And I was like, I thought we knew this already. Like, did, you had to run an exclusive on this. It was the most deadline thing I've ever seen.
1: Deadline, more like dead in time. Ha
0: <laughs> <laughs> ha! What a story, Mark.
1: Sex <laughs> <Next> life. <laughs> no,
0: but. Like, literally two movies we knew where his was next, He did want to try to get uh, another movie off the ground, but he couldn't find the right uh, kid to lead the cast. He yeah. had a movie set up called The Kidnapping of Edgardo Mortara uh, set up with Mark Rylance and Oscar Isaac attached to Star, and it just didn't come together. Yeah. But it saved West Side Story's next, followed by Indiana Jones. So, Yay. That's, uh, that's where Steven Spielberg's headed next. Uh, let's do some trailer talk. Uh, the new trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising came out yesterday, and i got to tell you, uh, there is nothing in this trailer I didn't get out of like the 90-second teaser. Other yep. than like, okay, there's a human that brought the, the kaiju back. That's really it. The, there is going to be no plot, basically. Robots versus monsters again. I'm going to go to the theater. I'm going to shove popcorn in my face for two hours. And watch Basically. robots fight, mo- fight monsters. Do, do we have anything else to say on this one, honestly?
1: Uh, no. Okay. That's you get what you see. Correct. We know what we're getting here. It is giant monsters versus giant robots. Have fun. Correct. And I like the first one. Yeah, the first one's good.
0: By soon to, from soon-to-be Academy Award winner, Gamer del Toro. Fine. Um. I guess that brings us a TV talk. First of all, no Versace recap this week. I did not get a chance to watch last night's episode uh, because, and this is actually true, one of my friends upstairs is attempting to eat 100 chicken McNuggets in 25 minutes, and that challenge started right at the beginning of Versace, and there was no way I was missing.
1: Question, is this now a sponsored podcast because you mentioned McNuggets? I, I, I wish. I wish we were sponsored <laughs> by McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and, then, no. and then number number two, no. would you rather have been watching Versace? No, it was – we had like 50 people upstairs in the lounge. Oh, my gosh. I it, saw like bullet- brief snippets of it.
0: Yeah, uh, he made it to 71 – and then he... Peed. That's actually... That's pretty close. Yeah, he did well. The problem is he can't, he went with spicy buffalo sauce and drank a ton of water.
1: Yeah, that's your issue. Yep. You should have gone with,
0: like, ranch. He could have made it. He had 71 with 10 minutes left. He had the pace.
1: Yeah, he could have done it. Yeah, at a certain point, he, start, like, he, he like, down. He should have done, Texas like, ranch or, like, honey. Yeah, and he had down.
0: ranch. We had a giant bag full of dipping sauce. He could have picked any that he wanted. He went with Spicy Buffalo. Oh, wow. It's a very bad decision. But uh, shout out to my friend David. He still did get through 71 nuggets. It was electric uh, content. Just electric. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. So an Versace recap. But what we can talk about uh, newly minted 21-time Academy Award nominee Meryl Streep has joined the cast of HBO's second season of Big Little Lies, uh, playing the mother of Alexander Skarsgård's character from season one.
1: Um, I haven't seen the show, so I can't give you an opinion.
0: I watched a few episodes. I don't know why I didn't finish, why I just dropped off it. I, I liked what I saw. It was a really good show. Um... Powerhouse performances all around by all of those women. Alexander Skarsgård was excellent.
1: I'm sure he's great in everything.
0: But he, uh, in the end, obviously, uh, spo- my, uh, spoilers, he dies at the end of season one. Oh, so he's well, going to be that's back. Upsetting. He's going to be back in some sort of flashback capacity. Uh, we find it a big get the reveal at the end of season one. Not only did he is he dead, but he, he raped Shailene Woodley's character. Um, so there's a... That's part of the storyline there, and uh, he, he's married to Nicole Kidman, and so he dies. His mother gets all worried about uh, the grandchildren and uh, goes in with her son's, I guess, widow, and the mother in this case is Meryl Streep. So Streep and Kidman are going to be sharing the screen. The majority of the time, Streep is on screen, and that is incredible. pumped.
1: You Isn't it based on a book?
0: Yes, it is based on a book. Hmm. Um, they only had what they were only gonna do one season, but it did so well for them um that they they wanted to do a second season. Hmm. HBO HBO was all about it, the cast was all about it, they all wanted to do more, and they went and talked to the author of the book. They came up with a story, all seven episodes for season two already written. Um and then Big Little Lies Season 2 will be airing on HBO next year. Big year at HBO next year. Game of Thrones ends next year. Uh, Veep is going to end next year. They had to push it back a year because
1: Julia Louis-Dreyfus has cancer. Sad times. Sad times. Uh, she, she is in remission right now.
0: Yeah, she ended her chemo. I don't know if she did she officially announce she was in remission. I
1: think she did, but I'm not 100%. Cuz she finished the chemo. I don't know if she's had
0: like surgery or anything to remove the tumor yet though.
1: I'm I'm looking it up now to see if she is. I thought she did. I know
0: she finished chemo and that was awesome for her. Yeah. Uh, and for everyone to hear cuz she's obviously a true legend.
1: I know chemo. I don't know if she confirmed officially that she was in remission though.
0: Yeah, I know she's done with chemo. Yeah. That's that's what matters here, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing else has uh, happened there uh, in terms of announcements. Just, still great to you know she she'll be back, and when she is back, that's going to be a great thing for. Yep, for the industry. Yeah, she is great. Uh, obviously she's a,
1: a true legend she is and veep is actually a good show i finally started watching it it's so funny it's, and yeah even it's, it's when hilarious
0: they lo- when they lose their showrunner like season five season six i think it's still good um like they go to a different kind of humor like kind of almost like a more curvy enthusiasm like humor which makes sense yeah. because david mandel was the, the showrunner there for a while. I mean, it's still funny. Like, it humor's a little more crude and kind of roast-like, but it still works.
1: If it works, the then it works. Just,
0: the show's just great. Um, let's see. So that that closes out TV talk. There. Oh, oh no, no, it doesn't. I just remembered this story from today. Great work by me. Um, putting this on the rundown. Davy and Chazelle who's already Yay. got a TV show uh, that he's producing over Netflix. I think he's directing the pilot, uh, a musical series. Has also set up a drama series at, over at Apple that he's going to write and direct. So Apple getting big time into the content game. have got a couple of shows already set up. A uh, reboot of Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories with Brian Fuller show running that. They have two different shows set up right now with Reese Witherspoon. Um, and now Damien Chazelle's got a show over there. Hmm. I don't know what their distribution is going to look like. If they're going to do Apple Music, it's going to go on the iTunes store. I don't know. I don't know what their plan here is. But... I mean,
1: I I love Damien Chazelle, so I'm in.
0: Absolutely. Uh, his last two films have been great. I'm excited about First Man. Uh, just I like the fact he's got a chance to branch out more and do more things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because his first two major films have been excellent. Both Best Picture nominees. One, and his last film won Best Picture for two whole minutes. Yeah. Never, never forget. Never forget.
1: <sighs>
0: also in TV news, I guess it's almost kind of worth mentioning because we did discuss it earlier. It's almost... it's. I'm calling this... It's not really sports news because it's basically WWE. But Vince McMahon has made official... He's bringing back the XFL. Now, for those of you that don't know what the XFL was... Imagine, it,
1: imagine, only... imagine the NFL, but bad.
0: But, like, really bad. And the players were all horrendous. Jesse the Body Ventura was the color guy. Oh, my God. And they literally had to basically, the, instead of kicking the ball off and doing a coin toss, they had a run at, like a run out. And each team set up a player about 10 yards. Whoever got the ball first got the ball first in the game. It's like a race to get to the ball. Definitely no concussions caused by that at all. Yep. Um, this is basically like if W it's WWE football and it's coming back. The league only lasted one year when it first started. There was only one good player, uh, Rod Smart, or because they got to put like other like nicknames on the back of their jerseys in the XFL, the legendary eight. Hey. Um who actually went on to play for a number of seasons in the NFL. So, the XFL is back. It's going to be an eight-team league, electric stuff. Uh, It's going to stink, though. Going to stink.
1: How many seasons do you think it's going to last?
0: I have a hard time believing it's going to make it more than one season.
1: I have a hard time believing it's going to make it through the first. Especially
0: because, here's why. They're setting this up in 2020. Oh, my God. The way they're talking about this, they made clear today, no player with a criminal record can play. So they immediately ruled out Johnny Manziel, who would have given people a reason to watch the XFL. If Johnny Manziel were in the XFL, people would have watched. People would watch that. And by saying, oh, no, you can't even have a DUI, that takes him out. So that's that. Number two, that's an election year. And he made very clear that one of the rules of the league is going to be that you must stand for the national anthem. Oof. So, oof. <laughs> Especially uh, the because 2018 midterms, 2020, uh, looking very much like a potential Democratic wave. Uh, maybe not great for this league, but. At- Saying, "Oh, there's not going to be politics," but by saying that they must stand, you're automatically talking about politics. So this is um, for every. This is essentially they created a league for everyone that won't watch the NFL because of Colin Kaepernick. That's that's what they're doing here. Vince McMahon is pandering almost to, to Donald Trump with this league.
1: It's kind of insane. I wonder why. Well, uh, maybe
0: because his wife is in Trump's cabinet.
1: That that no, that's exactly why.
0: Correct. So I forgot <laughs> I this piece of news as well. I forgot this piece of news as well. This is movie news, actual movie news. Um, we know we now have a title for Mission Impossible 6. It's, uh, Tom Cruise posted it on his Instagram this morning. I think it's a new Instagram account. Mission Impossible Fallout. Oof. And he posted a picture of what appears to be the big stunt. And Tom Cruise is basically riding on the side of a helicopter in the air.
1: So I mean, we, we a, all already uh, knew that Tom Cruise was crazy. So what else is new?
0: Right. Yeah, well, while he's like grabbing onto a helicopter in air, this is insane. I'm so excited about this. I'm all in on this movie. Rogue Nation was dope. So Go- Ghost Protocol was really and good he, too. He's, it's and uh, just as Tom Cruise is known to do, he's definitely doing his own stunts with this helicopter thing.
1: What age is Tom Cruise going to be at where he stops doing his own stunts? I don't know. Because he's, he's... He's
0: very, very old. Like, like, he, like, at an age where most actors would not be doing those stunts anymore. He's in his, like, 50... He's 56. Most actors 56 are not doing their own stunts in movies like this. Hmm. So I shouldn't say very, very old, but very, very old to be doing something like that. He did 64 takes of a plane crash sequence in zero gravity for the mummy. That scene that was in the trailer.
1: Oh, yeah. 64 takes. Did that scene end up being in the movie or not? Nah? Yeah, that's in the movie. and I never saw it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about Fantastic Four where the, the best moment of the trailer was the thing dropping out of, a, out of a plane and then they just didn't put it in the movie.
1: I mean, lots of stuff happened in the trailer that never happened in that movie.
0: Correct. <laughs> such as, you know, who the director was.
1: Such, such as uh, it being a Fantastic Four movie. Correct. Uh, oh, my God. What a all work. right.
0: All right. So that's our, our big news segment. And now we get to the crux because of this is what we do now, because of the season, the crux of our podcast. Once again, we got a big, long awards corner today. This, is, this has been our go-to segment right now, and it's been a fire segment the last few weeks as everything's going down.
1: Gotta love award season. So,
0: yeah, I, it, it's phenomenal. Let's start with the Producers Guild, which really only gives out one huge award for Best Picture, and it went to The Shape of Water.
1: Which is now, I'm going to say, the front-runner for award season at the Oscars. Well, if
0: you, if you look at the Oscar nominees, which we will momentarily, it's the only movie that got a director, screenplay, and editing nomination. Yep. That's, a, that's huge. Yeah, uh, Editing is huge to get a nomination for editing if you yeah. want to win Best Picture. And, and so is direction, and so is writing. If you're in all three,
1: you've got a really good shot. Do do you? Um, spoiler alert for later in the podcast, but do you think it'll win? Right now, yes.
0: Yeah. Although I'm still, I don't think three billboards is going to play nearly as well with the Academy, because especially because the Academy is based on a preferential ballot, rank one through ten or one through nine in this case. So you could get the most first place votes and lose. Yeah. Um. Which I think will play well, I'm telling you, I, I said it the whole award season, I think a movie like Get Out plays much better with the Academy than it does with a lot of these other groups. And Get, Out's, get Out didn't get an editing nomination, which it probably should have. It's a very well edited film. Um, I don't know what I would take out, but it's a, it's a movie, it's edited well and deserves it, but it also got director and screenplay, so... Don't be surprised. I would right now, like, Three Billboards is clearly the number two, although I don't know how well it works with the Academy there. But I'd say Get Out's probably your number three right now. Mm hmm. For Best Picture. But yeah, Shape of Water, I'd say right now, is after the PGA win and the way the Oscar nominations rolled out, is your clear front runner with Critics' Choice and PGA wins.
1: I'm happy with that.
0: I am, too. I would, I'd be happy if Shape of Water won. Obviously, I'd still like to see Get Out win, because I, I think, I tell you, as, as much as I love The Shape of Water, I think we look back at 2017 in film, like, 10 years from now, and Get Out's the movie we're still talking about.
1: Uh, there'll be a few movies from 2017 we'll still be talking about in 10 years. There will be, but I think Get Out will, will have driven more conversation by that point than any of these other films. For sure. We'll, we'll see in 10 years. We will come back to this topic. Right, yes, absolutely. At the at the great age of 29 and 28, we will come back to this topic.
0: Let's roll, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just because it deals with something so important. Yeah. Uh, we've also got the Screen Actors Guild Awards, where we're on Sunday night, and they went straight chalk from uh, the Golden Globes. It officially locked in, stunningly. Um, Allison Janney and Sam Rockwell, who have gone from uh, – you know, she, uh, those were massive upsets when they won at the Globes to beat Laurie Metcalf and Willem Dafoe, and now they are clearly the frontrunners yeah. to win the Academy Award. Uh, Francis McDormand and Gary Oldman, we all – it's looking – those are done. The supporting, I still feel like Dafoe and, and Metcalf could have a shot, especially mm-hmm. because we had the double nomination for three billboards for supporting actor. But it's it's not looking great right now for Metcalf and for Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um, and three Billboards won best ensemble, which was to be expected. Uh, just based on the number of acting nominations that movie got. Uh, I think yeah. it got three at the SAGs. So and it got three Oscars uh, that wasn't a surprise at all. The T V nomination, the T V awards, there was a massive upset there.
1: Yeah. Massive
0: upset. Um, For Best Actress, everyone in that house knew, thought Elizabeth Moss was going to win. And
1: mm-hmm. then
0: Claire Foy won for the crown out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Elizabeth Moss wasn't there. And I they said uh, Claire Foy was so sure Elizabeth Moss was going to win that she couldn't be here tonight. Yeah. So – because she wasn't there. It, like it was – like, the room was like, what? Like it, like, it dropped quiet for a minute, because everyone was so stunned. I thought that was the lock of the century. Yeah. I would have put so much money on Elizabeth Moss.
1: Although, with her
0: odds, it probably would not. I probably wouldn't have really made anything. hmm Speaking of, definitely bet Patriots minus five and a half in the Super Bowl. Just saying.
1: Uh, as much as I don't
0: want them to win, I know they will. This is the thing. Well, I was watching on Sunday. I was watching upstairs. Those of you of that course. don't know, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. We were watching upstairs with a bunch of my friends. And the fourth quarter rolls around, okay? Patriots are down 10. And Deion Lewis fumbles the ball. They're like 13 minutes out in the quarter. It's like if Jacksonville scores here, this this is probably it. And Jacksonville went three and out. They didn't even get a first down. And I, everyone just looked right. And I looked at everyone else who was rooting against the Patriots. He's the only person in the room rooting for the Patriots. And and every single person, we just all looked at each other and go, well, well, we know how this ends. And, of course, the Patriots go down, they score twice, they win the game. It was it was the most Patriots thing ever. And one of my friends from upstairs happens to be an Eagles fan, so the two weeks of trash-talking have, have commenced.
1: I, I I can't stand the Patriots, so I'm just going to end the conversation now. And,
0: oh, yeah, all the hatred that the Patriots get is deserved at this point. Uh-huh. I, 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 I'm... I'm Willing to put up with it for eight Super Bowl trips.
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
0: Yeah, about that.
1: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. All right,
0: let's get to the big kahuna. (laughs) The Oscar nominations are out. Oscar nominations came out Tuesday morning. A couple of huge surprises, um, particularly in Best Picture and Best Supporting Actress. Actress was a stunner uh, there. Uh, And there was... What to you, just before we get into individual categories, what was the biggest surprise for
1: you coming out of these nominations? Um, James Franco getting snubbed was one. Though I figured it was going to happen. Franco, uh, again,
0: we don't know how much of the Academy had voted at that point. I don't know what exactly the opinions there were. Were there, I should say.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, there were was correct, but yeah. Um, everything else, um, I, was, I, I agreed with everything else, really. Franco! Oh, wait, not no, getting the no. Non- I'll tell you what my biggest surprise was, the fact that Logan got Best Adapted Screenplay nod.
0: I, I was not, just because, again, that was such a, a weak category this year, and it got that guild nomination, and when in doubt, just go with the guilds.
1: Oh, I mean, like, I'm still surprised, because superhero movies never get nominated for anything. All right. Understandable. And, um yeah like i was i was very pleasantly surprised yeah
0: the the franco thing yeah while it was surprising the guy i'm pretty sure that guy took his nomination was denzel washington so i'm yeah. like you really like you're like oh well i didn't get the nomination who got that now denzel oh well yeah
1: what movie was it for um, was that it
0: uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire, which was not a particularly great movie, but everyone loved said that he was great. Which, it's Denzel. We just expect these things.
1: Yeah. He's Denzel.
0: Like, like there are a few actors. Like, the, post, the poster for the post just says Streep and Hanks. You can identify them by their last name. Denzel
1: is the rare actor. You can identify them straight up by his first name alone. He's just yeah. Denzel. Well, also, there's like not that, many other people named Denzel in the world, whereas there is a lot of Merrills and Toms.
0: Right, but, not that, but it's just, when you say Denzel, no one asks you which Denzel you mean. And that's, the, that's impressive, honestly. Yeah. It's like Pele. Whenever you just say Pele, Pele, or Neymar, or Messi, you just know Brady. Just know who they're talking about. Uh, the biggest surprise to me, easily
1: was how much the Academy went for Phantom Thread. Uh, no, I knew that was going to happen because of recency effect. Um, Phantom Thread, usually
0: because the movies that come out later in the year are actually getting less nominations recently. And it wasn't playing well with the Globes. It didn't play that well with the Guilds. Like, it just, it just didn't have the effect. I was like, okay, it's going to get Best Actor, Costume Design, and Score. I thought it had three nominations in it. And then the Best Picture nom, okay, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson getting a Best Director nom instead of Martin McDonough was actually very welcome for me. Just because Paul Thomas Anderson is a true master filmmaker, in my opinion. Yes, he is. The Best Supporting Actress nom for Leslie Manville came out of nowhere. That was a From the Clouds nomination. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. No. Like, I think everyone was 100% certain Holly Hunter was going to get in. And I think we were... Iffy on whether or not Octavia Spencer would get in, and and in the end she did because she's Octavia Spencer, but Leslie Manville was was kind of nowhere on that radar, and uh, I upset Holly Hunter didn't get nominated. That was one of my big snubs. Yes, I, I am not going to get to see Phantom Thread, but Holly Hunter, re- Holly Hunter, really her performance is part of why The Big Sick works so well. I agree. She she. That movie feels realistic, and it's supposed to, because it is very much based on a true story. But a lot of it is because of how she grounds that movie. Her and Ray Romano, who did not get nearly enough buzz for supporting actor. And, you know, he was never going to get nominated, but uh, I I wish he would have at least been in some conversations. Yes. Uh, But yeah, let's get into it. Best Picture... Call me by your name. Darkest Hour. That was a bit of a surprise because I didn't know if it would get Best Picture. Um, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, do you have any any big snubs here that you're upset about, or not that you, really? You didn't I mean, expected I'm... to make it in. No. The only one I thought was going to make it in because I I picked eight noms. I missed uh, Darkest Hour and Phantom Thread. I did not have. I had Florida Project. I was I was very certain I was going to get a nomination.
1: No, I didn't think it would. I was kind of iffy. Um, I was like, yeah, it could, because it's been getting a lot of buzz. But I was like, yeah. Florida Florida Project got screwed. <laughs> sure. Massively
0: screwed. Um, but other than that, I mean, these are solid. Darkest Hours. see they played right into the Oscar cliche. There, that's such an Oscar movie. Same with the post, and we all knew the post was going to get it out. Such like, Oscar movies. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, you got Best Actor in a Leading Role. We have Timothy Chalamet for Call Me by Your Name, Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread, The Goat, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel for Roman J. Israel, Esquire. Uh, again, we talked about Franco, but other than that, like again, I'm not complaining. If I'm not here. If you're not gonna, if you're gonna lose Franco over what he did, then Denzel is as good a person to nominate as anyone. Um, this is Gary Oldman's award. I hope it is. Um, it's starting to feel like if there's the dark horse because we've been talking about this in terms of Oldman versus Chalamet the whole race. I feel like Kaluya is getting a little bit of buzz here. hmm I, I it's been picking up a little bit. Not to the point where he's going to win, but it's picked up a bit. Um, that's a sick, and it was great to see him just get that nomination because I think oftentimes we're looking for sort of showy acting in our Oscar performances. And everything Kaluya does, he doesn't do anything showy really in that movie. But every little thing he does makes that movie better. It's a, every little gesture, every little look that he acts in his eyes, it serves the film perfectly. But I don't think we honor that type of performance
1: enough. So. I mean you really much enjoy Get Out, so you're they biased? Just well I tad. thought Get Out was I thought
0: Get Out was easily the most brilliant and thought provoking movie of the year. I think it's a true
1: I wouldn't go far as far as to call it a masterpiece, but I will say it was really good.
0: It's not I mean it's not perfect, but I think this movie I, I I think this movie has more to say and says it more brilliantly than any movie has in a long time I, mean, okay. I, can't, remember, I can't remember the last time um, I came out of a movie just so um, just thinking things through and everything piecing together just thinking back on little things from earlier in the movie and it, again Get Out is better the second time around because once you know what actually happens, when you rewatch that movie, it all comes together even more.
1: Mm-hmm. It's,
0: it's, that's why that movie's brilliant to me. And I hope the Academy members will watch it a second time before voting ends. Because I think if you don't watch it a second time, you don't quite get the full uh, experience of the movie. Yeah. You can watch it once and get it, but you don't get it as much as if you watch it multiple times. Even the third time through, you're still finding new things and noticing little small details.
1: I've watched it, it twice, and I feel like that is satisfactory enough for me.
0: That it's a tr- I think it's a truly brilliant piece of filmmaking. And I, I, I the—I
1: al- prefer the alternate ending of it over the original one.
0: I, my, my dad said the same thing after he saw the movie for the first time. The way I looked at it, I think everything you get literally from the alternate ending, him going to prison... Uh, there's evidence, but he can't remember names and faces, and he's he he they just he doesn't have enough to quite rebut everything. You five seconds when the police car comes, pulls up, and you don't know yet that it's Rod. You get everything you get in those extra like two minutes and five seconds. It's perfect.
1: I prefer. The way they do
0: it, it works. And then you give it the levity and it gives you a little more time to think back on what just happened instead of being hit smack dab in the heart. Mm -hmm. It's, like I said, I think it's a clean piece of filmmaking. I don't, if I went through, I don't know necessarily if I, if there's one thing I would necessarily change about it, which is why I think it should win original screenplay. It's not going to, but it should. Like I said, I didn't, I'm not saying is going to win. I think I've just seen
1: Buzz building up for him a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I'm glad that he is getting recognition, but I think Gary Oldman deserves the win.
0: Oldman's going to win. It's a lock.
1: But okay. Like I said, it's Oldman's award to lose. Yeah. I'm just saying the, the Dark
0: Horse quality there. Mm. All right, Best Actress. We have Frances McDormand, Margot Robbie, Sersha Ronan, and Meryl Streep. I don't even need to say the movies because these are the same five we've known are getting nominated for like six weeks. Yep. This was done a a long time ago. Um, the only one you maybe could have thrown in was Chastain, and there was no way <sighs> Streep was not getting this nomination. So, mm-hmm. no, no, nothing real egregious here. These. Mm-hmm. Um. Supporting actor, Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer – I got that one right – for All the Money in the World, and Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. Mm. There's one I'm not a fan that they didn't put in. Um, I get why they gave two nominees to Three Billboards here. I would take out Harrelson, and I'd throw in Army Hammer for Call Me By Your Name. Everybody does. I think I think everyone's upset. Or you take out Plumber. Yeah, you take one of those two has to go for Army Hammer or Michael. Even Michael Stuhlbarg. I think one of those two guys needed to get Call Me By Your Name nominations. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg, you could have given it basically for his whole year. He's he's only in the post for a little bit, but he's good in that. He's great in the Shape of Water. And there's apparently I've not seen Call Me By Your Name, but there's a scene with him and Timothy Chalamet on the couch where he delivers a Michael Stuhlbarg delivers just delivers a monologue that many are calling the best moment they saw in a film all year
1: mm-hmm.
0: so um, I think I think for his overall body of work just this year I would have thought he would have gotten one but uh, Ar- Ar- Army Hammer, this is now twice he's, he should have gotten a supporting actor nomination and hasn't gotten it yeah because he didn't get it for Social Network, a movie that he clearly deserved a nomination for yeah we got to get this man a nomination somehow. Get this man an Oscar. All right, Supporting Actress. Again, this was a big stunner. We kind of talked about it with Holly Hunter. We have Mary J. Blige from Mudbound. I'm so glad to see her nominated. I'm so glad to see Mudbound get four nominations. The, the anti-Netflix bias is going away here, kids. Uh, it, it, honestly, uh, the screenplay nomination was huge. I, I are, could you could argue that Mudbound should have been nominated for Best Picture and that Dee Reese could have been in there for Best Director over PTA, but um, just because I think that's a masterfully directed film. But Mary J. Blige definitely deserves this nomination. Her first ever acting role, and she's incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Allison Janney for Itanya, your front runner. Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, out of nowhere. This was just—I—that I, was the one that made my jaw drop, honestly. When when they announced she got nominated, I know a lot of people were saying great things about her performance, but I don't think anyone thought she was getting a nomination for this movie. Good for her, though. I agree. Despite the fact that she screwed Elastigirl out of a nomination. <laughs> Such sad times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Again, she's brilliant in that movie. Well-deserved. And Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water.
1: Well-deserved as well.
0: Who doesn't give a powerhouse performance like we're sometimes used to seeing from her. But she, she's very good. She's very funny in the movie. Um, best animated feature film. Oh, boy. Where do we begin on this one?
1: Coco's going to win. All, I, I've got Coco's going to win.
0: But I, I got a bone to pick with the Academy here.
1: Are you talking about Ferdinand, or are you talking about the other one that I don't want to mention? Um, no, it's one that didn't
0: get nominated.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, it's, no, I mean that in the place of yeah. the one that I don't want to mention.
0: Hey, hey, Academy, why in the world won't you nominate a stupid Lego movie? Uh, just a good, like, good Lego movies. Nominate them. You did not nominate the Lego movie four, three years ago, when it was the best animated movie of that year, and you didn't nominate Lego Batman. But you did nominate Ferdinand and the Boss Baby.
1: I refuse to say the name. I gotta tell you, we watched
0: the boss baby in the lounge upstairs yesterday. Man, that
1: that's a movie. I see that.
0: It's something. I don't know what it is.
1: But it's something. You know my biggest Ooh, bone to boy. pick. The emoji movie didn't get nominated.
0: Oh. What a travesty. <laughs> Now, the, the Boss Baby, so everyone, Academy Award nominated the Boss Baby. Get excited. The Boss Baby 2 is already set for a 2021 release. Guess what? The Boss Baby has more
1: Oscar nominations than Jim Carrey.
0: Oh, wow. And John Goodman. And John Goodman. All right, we need to, all right, we need to stop this now. This okay. is just... We I, just I, need I, to I'm stop. depressed now. Like, we need to stop. Yeah, I'm depressed. I, I, <laughs> Except we'll get John Goodman an Oscar nomination. Please. Please. I beg of you. Best Cinematography a truly uh, historic category this year for the first time ever a woman was nominated for Best Cinematography um, Yay! Rachel, Rachel Morrison getting that nomination for Mudbound very well deserved that's a beautiful movie to look at uh, her cinematography there is great she's not gonna win um, right now it seems like uh, it's either going to go to Dan Lostson for Shape of Water or Hoyte Van Hoytema for Dunkirk. I'm going to continue my full-court press campaign for Roger Deakins for Blade Runner. Uh, we to, We just need to give this man an Oscar. This is all I'm saying. He's been now nominated 14 times and has never won. Someone get this man a friggin' Oscar. Mm. That should not happen. A guy should not go 0 for 14. A true legend. You could consider this like a lifetime achievement award if you want to. I don't care. Get the man an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I've I've had enough of seeing this man lose. A true legend. But he has the I believe the most nominations ever without a win. Uh I'm just going kind of in alphabetical order here on the Academy website. Costume Design, Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, and Victorian Abdul. This is Phantom Thread. And if it's not Phantom Thread, then it's Beauty and the Beast, but it's Phantom Thread. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Best Director. This is my favorite category of the entire Oscars. This is as perfect an Oscar category as you were. By the gonna way,
1: say. Guillermo del Toro is going to win.
0: Guillermo del Toro is going to win, which is awesome, first of all. Uh, totally well-deserved, uh, a true master filmmaker, um, finally getting recognized for 30 years of incredible work. And I'm so excited to see him give that speech um, on on the stage of the Oscars because he is, he is great, and no one has anything but amazing things to say about him after working with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he did, did with The Shape of Water is miraculous. Mm-hmm. To make that movie for under $20 million. Ooh,
1: the creature, That's insane The, to the me creature that suit that, is so good.
0: That creature suit on many movies would cost $20 million by itself. It, it's insane.
1: It, was it so really
0: good. is. Um... But also nominated because it's not just Guillermo del Toro. It's exciting. We have two other true master filmmakers and two first-time directors that made
1: incredible movies. Well, Christopher so the Nolan. two
0: masters. Christopher Nolan finally got nominated. This is his first ever Oscar nomination. He's usually
1: Director. been been uh, for producer and um, writing, right? Right. He, he ha- he's been nominated for producing
0: Inception because that got a Best Picture nom. Yeah. Uh, writing, I think he got a nom also. Yeah, this is the Memento. first time. Yeah, he's been nominated for five total Oscars. Uh, but
1: nominated none for bo- Best none Picture and Best Writing for Screenplay, director. Best
0: Screenplay for Memento, but this is the first time he's ever been nominated for Best Director. Yeah. Um. Which is insane to think about because I he was a lock going into the Oscars for Inception to get nominated for Inception, yeah. and then they didn't nominate him. So, yeah. Um, and he's not going to win this, but what he did with Dunkirk is truly miraculous in many ways. Still haven't seen it. For, yeah, from a technical perspective, it's brilliant. Go, go see it as soon as you can. I'm, it's, it's, I'll it's be
1: a, able to see it this weekend, probably, most likely. available on May. iTunes.
0: It's also going back into theaters. Uh, a lot of these movies now, guys, if you have not gotten a chance to see them, are expanding back into theaters this week. I know Get Out is going back into theaters. And in a wide release. I know Dunkirk is, uh, three billboards are going from like 900 theaters back to 1400. So if you missed any of these movies, this is a, the next couple of weeks are a great time to catch up. Great time. But also the other master nominated for best director, Paul Thomas Anderson for phantom thread. This guy is a, truly a legend. Um, great to see him get recognized. Even, I'm like not even if Phantom Thread is not one of the usually best directors like for your top five movies that you have ranked. Even if Phantom Thread is not one of the Academy's top five movies here, uh, it's just always great to see a guy like that get a nomination. Yep, especially over uh, three billboards outside problematic Missouri. But <laughs> now uh, it's truly great. That's a great field here. PTA, Christopher Nolan, and Guillermo del Toro alone, even if they were just two other scrubs here, would be a great category. But then you get to throw in some true history here. Jordan Peele gets nominated for Get Out. He's the first ever uh, African-American to be nominated for directing, writing, and producing in the same year. Mm -hmm. And only the fifth African-American to ever be nominated for Best Director.
1: And then Greta Gerwig. And
0: then Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, only the fifth woman to ever be nominated for Best Director, which is a shame Uh, on both of those fronts. We we are now only up to five black directors and five female directors nominated in 90 years. This is the 90th Oscars. It's a real shame, actually. Not even real shame, because I like to say real shame is a joke, but it's not in this case. It's a legit real shame.
1: Um... I still think Guillermo del Toro is going to win.
0: Yeah, G- Guillermo del Toro is absolutely going to win. He deserves yeah. to for ma- doing what he does with that movie on nineteen and a half million dollars. Yep. He came in under budget too. I know. Like he was like a hundred grand under budget or something like that.
1: Yeah, which is insane. He had, he had like a thirty million dollar budget and came in at like twenty nine point nine or something like that. No, uh, he had 19
0: and he came in at and he came in at like nineteen point like yeah. four or something like
1: that. I always round everything up to thirty for some reason. I don't know. Right. 30 million just seems like a good number. <laughs> All right. Best editing. Baby Driver, Dunkirk,
0: yes. I, Tanya, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. What I'm getting here and what I've been reading, it seems like Baby Driver is the front runner
1: for this. I've heard that, too. That's why I'm, I'm so a- glad because Edgar Gray, right, I know he didn't edit it, but it's still his movie, and it's, it's
0: good. It's a brilliantly edited movie.
1: <laughs> like, I know, like, I know he didn't edit it, but it is still a good movie, and it gives him more recognition.
0: Uh, If Baby Driver doesn't win, it's going to Dunkirk.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I haven't even seen Dunkirk, I know.
0: (laughs) Also a brilliantly edited movie. Uh, Especially considering how weird that storyline is constructed. Because Dunkirk takes place over three separate timelines.
1: German perspective, British perspective, and... No,
0: no. From the land, from the sea, and from the air. Same thing. Okay. They all kind of meet together at one point. But that point is spread out throughout the movie in each storyline. So it's not like all the storylines go, and then they meet up at this point, and then they branch back off. They, they get, it's, it's scattered throughout almost. It's, it's, a, it's an insane j- undertaking for an editor, and he did an incredible job to make that movie work. But it looks like it's going to be Baby Driver. All right. Best foreign language film. Um, we got an actual problem here because the, the clear frontrunner wasn't even nominated. So I've got nothing officially. I'm out. I, yeah, I don't either. In, in In the Fade was the very clear front runner, and it didn't get a nomination. So, uh, Fantastic Woman, maybe? Which shout out to trans people? I don't know. Best documentary too was also weird because uh, Jane, which is a documentary about Jane Goodall, was the clear front runner, not nominated.
1: I I can tell you what I want to win for that one. Uh, which one? Heroin.
0: Oh, that's the short-subject one.
1: That is the short-subject one that takes place uh, in Huntington.
0: Oh, there you go. I would have – honestly, the short-subject one, I would have liked the one about the guy who got charged with murder at Dodger Stadium and was exonerated because he had footage from himself at the game. Uh, Not not from video he took from inside the stadium that took him away. Oh, this is
1: the Curb Your Enthusiasm thing.
0: Right. So actually, yeah, the the murder didn't take place at Dodger Stadium, but he was – Uh, Framed, And his alibi was that he was at a Dodger game, but he didn't have proof. What he did know, though, was a TV show was filming, and it was Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's the episode— He was sitting right
1: next to Larry David or whatever. Right. It's an incredible—it's
0: a great episode. Larry hires a prostitute to go to the Dodger game with him so that he can use the HOV lanes and avoid traffic. It's it's majestic. But uh, (laughs) they had footage, and they exonerated him off of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I th- kinda surprised I didn't get nominated. Um let's see. Best makeup, Darkest Hour, Victorian Abdul and Wonder. I, it's gonna be Darkest Hour, right? Just for the transformation for Gary Oldman. Yeah, I agree. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that one. Uh obviously we still have other things. The directors' guild saw us unannounced, but
1: whatever.
0: Announced their winner and whatnot, but uh, original, sco- original score, we have Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk, Johnny Greenwood for Phantom Thread, Alexander Desplat for The Shape of Water, Carter Burwell for Three Billboards, and for the 51st time, John Williams for Star Wars The Last Jedi. It's John Williams. Listen, he's not going to win this. Alexander Desplat is clearly the frontrunner here. But to be nominated 51 times is insane.
1: I, he's one of the greatest composers of our time.
0: Uh, not just one of I. I the greatest. It's old yes. That's it. Yeah. Uh, the most ever by by a living person right now. We also had the oldest nominees ever in this year's Oscars. Uh, Agnes Varda, who is uh nominated for best uh foreign best documentary for a movie called Faces Places, eighty nine years old. That's crazy. Got nominated. Uh, James Ivory is the oldest screenwriter ever nominated. Also eighty nine. He's like two months younger. And Christopher Plummer is the oldest acting nominee ever. He's 88. So. Let's see. Best original song. We have Mighty River from Mudbound. This makes Mary J. Blige a double nominee. Mystery of Love by Sufjan Stevens from Call Me By Your Name. Uh, nice little surprise there. Remember Me from Coco. Stand Up for Something from Marshall. And This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. This is uh, "This Is me versus Remember Me. I agree. Probably- uh, production design, Beauty and the Beast, Blade Runner, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Shape of Water. I'm thinking Shape of Water, but Probably. I think they're a legit. I, I think Darkest Hour is clearly the fifth, number five. The other four, if they win, I would not have any complaints. Yeah. All of them did incredible jobs for that production design. All, those Beauty and the Beast sets are gorgeous. Blade Runner sets, incredible. Uh, Dunkirk, they had to do a lot of building and even just like building planes and rigs to put cameras on planes shape of water on that budget to make those sets incredible stuff uh best animated short film i'm only going to shout this one out because kobe bryant is officially an academy award nominee uh it's probably gonna a be short a little Prob- uh, it's the academy You understand that there's a very good chance to vote – because I don't know how many of them actually watch these. They'll see the name Kobe and be like, oh, yes. Or they'll
1: be like, oh, Kobe, Uh, no. right. It's also scored by John Williams. True. I forgot that one was scored by John Williams. So,
0: Deer Basketball, I don't know if it's going to win. And Lou, Lou probably is the front runner. There's a real shot for Deer Basketball just because Kobe.
1: Well, uh, there's this... a good
0: chance for it to not win because Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, the sound editing. We have Baby Driver. Both sound categories. It's baby Driver, Blade yes. Runner, Dunkirk, Shape of Water, and Star Wars. It, it, both the sound categories are the same. It, it, I love the sound of Baby Driver. I love the sound of Blade Runner. Love the sound of all these movies. Dunkirk wins this. I, yeah, it, probably. It should the sound in that in those movies in, in Dunkirk is incredible.
1: The sound in the trailers was good. So just going based off of that because I still haven't seen it.
0: Visual effects, Blade Runner, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Kong Skull Island, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to f- I'm gonna throw something if Apes does not win this. I'm
1: between Because if War for the Planet... I'm between Apes and Guardians 2.
0: If War for the Planet of the Apes does not win this, then they have won zero Oscars for some of the most realistic CGI that's ever been created. Agreed. Over Trojan, Tro- because it... Uh, I don't know... What Rise lost to. Um, I know that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes lost to Interstellar. Yep. For visual effects. Uh, Let me look down here. I'm going all the way here. with. uh... And Rise of the Planet of the Apes lost to Hugo for best visual effects. Yep. So we'll see. Best Adapted Screenplay, Call Me By Your Name, The Disaster Artist, Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. You this already is... know where my vote goes. Yeah, you're going, Logan. Call Me yep. By Your Name. is.
1: <laughs> I Logan's know it won't game. win, but I want it to.
0: They're going to give a screenwriting award to an 89-year-old man. This ought to be terrific. Yep. What a speech that's going to be.
1: Oh, buddy. Dude, no matter Over who it is, it's under... going to be a good speech.
0: Over under four and a half words we actually can understand coming out of his mouth. Yeah. We can understand them when they're on the page, but when he's speaking them, never know with an 89-year-old man. Best Original Screenplay is an awesome category, too. The Big Sick. It was great to see it get anything, especially yeah. after the Holly Hunter snub. Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. Three Billboards is the front runner here, sadly. Definitely. I'm telling you, I, I think Get Out is the best written movie of the year, but whatever. Who am I to judge?
1: I don't know. You're just some podcast guy, all right?
0: I I I would love to see a movie over the next few years attempt to do what Get Out did. Really? I, I try try it. It's that can't be easy with all every little thing that Jordan Peele gives you. In that movie, the, a whole you could go through the whole movie and one word that was said like five minutes into the movie completely changes. Meaning, that's how brilliant that screenplay is. The more you think back on it, the more it works. Mm-hmm. And that's what screenwriting should do. It shouldn't confuse you too much at first, but when you think about it, you should be able to peel layers off. Yeah. Get Out does that brilliantly. That's, it's, it's the best crafted story of the year, Okay, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just from a crafting standpoint, I, I don't know how much better a screenplay you, you can find. In terms of just like three billboards, the screenplay ends with the, the forgiving of a, of a racist cop. Like, yeah, not a great look. I said three billboards outside of problematic Missouri. Yeah. Not a, gr- not a great look. I, I think Greta Gerwig could also win this. I, I would love it if she won because that's also a brilliant screenplay. Um. Honestly, I'm good. I feel like aside from Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell, both of whom are incredible actors and deserve this recognition, uh, if th- whenever Three Billboards wins, I'm I feel like I'm just gonna find myself getting angry. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's gonna just about wrap it up, unless there was some sudden massive piece of breaking news over the last hour, hour and a half or so.
1: No, I don't think so. Running through
0: Twitter here. Um, yeah, that's not what I was doing.
1: Uh. Ellen Page and something with zombies. Oh, first trailer. First trailer for The Cured. Okay. That's Ellen Page and zombies.
0: Okay. Well, that it's I it's think... like
1: it's like with their the zombies that are healed and they attempt to like reintegrate back into society.
0: All right. Well, that sounds horrendous, actually. Yeah. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out here. Not a nothing movie related, but I'd I'd like to thank the Milwaukee Brewers for actually just giving any sort of life to uh, to the baseball offseason. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you. That's all I've got to say. I go to work for a couple hours, I come back, and the hot stove is officially on.
1: Finally. <laughs> That's one way to put it.
0: Nothing has happened in, that, in the offseason for, like, weeks. So the trade, the Christian Yelich trade and then signing Lorenzo Kane. this was, like, the best baseball offseason day in... Maybe all year. Yeah. Um. The pro, there's Pro Bowl kicking tic tac toe right now with the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge, so that's a thing. What it, the Pro Bowl is a disaster. Sorry, I just mm-hmm. I'm very confused right now. We're having kickers kick balls to create tic tac toe. Yeah. Yeah. Great work. So. So that's gonna do it here for the Films with Ferrara podcast. Once again, this was a this was a good episode. A very fun episode. Uh, a lot of uh a lot of awards talk. Yes. We hope next week's a slow awards week finally. So I don't think we're gonna have a big long
1: awards corner. We'll actually have to come up with an original topic Oh man, an discussion original topic. I don't know if we can do that.
0: I don't know. It's not like it's not like we've done it before or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh let me see i what did i went because i initially when i when we started this i had a a list of topics and obviously things change uh we've changed some things around what do i have set for uh our first podcast of february we officially moved to a new month Oof. next week uh well i i don't know i have helen mirren here but it doesn't seem like a great look um I also had monster movies for Cloverfield, but, you know, we all know how that went. Uh, so maybe we talk ghost movies or something. I don't know. We'll find something. Uh, all of this is really just killing time for a couple of weeks until our bl- big Black Panther preview in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to do a full Black Panther preview episode. Which will be f- a ton of fun uh, with uh, a review coming the next week. We're going to do a big Black Panther review episode. Spoiler review will be in there. We'll end uh, with a spoiler review. We'll time code it and everything. Yeah. And uh, talk some annihilation. We're going to start doing... Hopefully, we're going to start reviewing some more movies on on the podcast here. Obviously, we're we're college students. It's not the easiest thing for us, but...
1: Also, it's been slow movie releases it has yes,
0: it's been a lot of oscar movies i just said i didn't have time last weekend i'm gonna try to make time saturday or sunday I, i'm, I'm gonna try and make
1: time this weekend but i don't i doubt i'll have enough time I, I i think i might try to go see phantom Thread this weekend but i don't know i will see what i can do with the small amount of time that i have this weekend
0: all right so oh other news uh ready
1: player one very quickly
0: it ooh, got ooh, the
1: messed up leg poster. Let's talk about it.
0: Yes. <laughs> <For the laughs> one millionth time. Uh, they changed the release date by a whole day. It's now coming out one day earlier, uh, meaning Wednesday night preview screenings. I, I don't know. They want to get an extra day on Easter weekend, I guess. Don- don't ask me. Makes sense, I guess. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever you want to do, Warner Brothers. You're doing better than Paramount. I know that's not difficult, but... <sighs> Get ready for Duke Nukem, everyone. Paramount, <laughs> Paramount, Paramount Savior, the Mike Saviors, the Micro and Duke Nukem.
1: Get ready for Duke Nukem, everyone. I think we can just end it there.
0: And the, 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 don't forget the uh, their upcoming Beverly Hills Cop reboot. Oh, oh my gosh. God, this is gonna su- Paramount. Get Get your shit together. I, hate <laughs> I don't to say that. Hey, hate to use anything. the language. Like, hate to use the language, but just just get your shit together, will you? <laughs> They have an animated movie set for with a poster called The Loud Movie. There's a poster. The movie isn't coming out for another two years. Paramount. They they're banking on here G.I. Joe. A, another SpongeBob
1: movie. They'll make money on that. I mean the, 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 the last one that they the one that they just released actually did pretty good, so.
0: And they have a Dungeons and Dragons movie all set up. I mean They're really on fire. Let's check... uh, Hang on, we're going to check Paramount's year this year. Is there any movie here that they can, like, legit make money on? Oh, wow, this is... uh, Mission Impossible. That's their hope for the year. Mission Impossible, and they have Bumblebee. Another Transformers movie, because, of course... And A Quiet Place. Quiet Place looks good. But... Next year they're blow. Next year they're blowing big money on a Top Gun movie and a Terminator movie. Let's get it. <laughs> what a disaster! What a story, Mark.
1: <laughs> so, how's your sex life?
0: <laughs> let's not forget they also currently have a World War Z two set up over Over there, that may or may not ever get made. Who knows? With, with David Fincher directing. <laughs> They're about to just not greenlight a sequel to World War Z, which actually made decent money at the worldwide box office. The budget was very large, but it still made over $500 million worldwide. They have David Fincher set to direct a sequel, and it just may never get made. Great work, Paramount. Real good. Have fun with Duke Nukem. So that's gonna wrap it up, <sighs> everyone. Say say thoughts and prayers for Paramount to wrap it up. Just when you get done listening to this, exit out of your podcast app. Just give some thoughts and prayers for Paramount. Really, uh, TJ, where can the good people find you? Oh, did we lose TJ? Hello. Okay, well, he's he's still on, but he's. He's got nothing here. So uh, I guess I'm wrapping this podcast up. I didn't have the app open. That's a bad, that's a bad thing. Um, yeah. So you can follow TJ on Twitter at the TJ blank. T-H-E-T-J-B-L-A-N-K. Uh, if you haven't already, he's a uh, very prolific tweeter. Very good stuff. He's very good with content. Content, content, content. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at domferrara5. You can read our writing over at filmswithferrara.wordpress.com. We actually going to post up this week for the first time in a very long time. Uh, you can follow the podcast and the website on Twitter at Film with Ferrara. You can like us on Facebook with Ferrara. Uh, everyone, thoughts and prayers for Paramount. Have fun with Duke Nukem and enjoy the movies.